Well, hey there, everyone. I'm Daniel Hahn, and I'm the online campus pastor here at Oxford Assembly of God Church, and this is our podcast. And I just want to thank you for listening today. We hope the message you're about to hear inspires you, builds your faith, and helps you see that God has a purpose for your life. And now, let's get into the message. Last week, we started a short series, just last week, this week, and next week, on the books of First and Second Thessalonians. And I'll grant I guarantee you there are dozens of messages that we could preach, but we've broken it down into just three. And last week we talked about um, a brief revival with eternal results. The revival at Thessalonica lasted three to six weeks. And even while the revival was going on, persecution came up. Persecution arose uh, during that revival. And last week we talked about six lessons that we learned from that revival. And so we need to, number one, agree to disagree and get on with the show. How many knows that we don't need to spend time arguing about what we disagree on? Secondly, we need to keep the big picture in mind. Thirdly, we realize that sometimes God leads us into the storm. Fourth, the kingdom is bigger than we are. Number five, know that the loss of power, prestige, and property will lead to opposition. And number six, we as Christians need to be willing to relinquish those things. We need to learn to relinquish our power, our prestige, our property so that we can honor God. And if you missed that, you can go back. It's in our archives on our website, and you'll be able to hear that. Matter of fact, almost all of our Sunday morning services for the last 10 years are available. And if you slept through the first one, and I understand that, before you get too haughty, I put better folks than you to sleep, so don't worry about it. But you can go back and listen to it. But then after that short revival, actually during the revival, persecution broke out. Paul and Silas were accused of treason. Treason is punishable by death. And he was, they accused him of talking about another king. And of course, that king was Jesus. So they had to leave in the middle of the night after just a few services. And it was only a few months later that they sent Timothy back to uh, the church there to see how they were going. And Timothy uh, catches... Uh, up with Paul and Silas while they were in Corinth and Corinth and he gives them this report that's recorded in the third chapter 1st Thessalonians chapter 3 1st Thessalonians chapter 3 verse 6 but now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and love and reported that you Always remember us kindly and long to see us as long as we, to, as, as we long to see you. For this reason, brothers, in all of our distress and affliction, we have been comforted. So see, they were in persecution where he was there in the church there at Thessalonica. But they were also in persecution when he was writing this from uh, Corinth. He says, we have... For this reason, in our distress and affliction, we have been comforted. Aren't you glad that God's word comforts us? His spirit comforts us. We have been comforted about you through your faith. 
For now we live, if you're standing fast in the Lord, for what thanksgiving can we return to God for you? For all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God. So this was the message that he was sending back to Thessalonica. He said, Timothy comes in and he tells us that you are doing great. And this message or this uh, book, uh, excuse me, this letter, both of them were letters. That's what epistle means. Doesn't mean another word for apostle. Epistle's a letter. And he sent this letter to them telling us that we've been moved and encouraged because Peter's come back and said, you're doing good. Now they were doing good, but there was a lot of persecution. And these letters were not only to instruct them on the future of the church, we're gonna talk about that next week, but to give them instructions and encouragement. The theme for first and second Thessalonians is encouragement and hope. How many thinks that the church needs to hear that message today? That God still has everything under control, that regardless of what's going on around us, that God is still giving us encouragement and hope. Now the question is, where does that hope come from? We know that it comes from God. Now my title today is three things that a church must have. Three things that a church must have. Now there are many things that are important. Many things that, that I, I like. Many things that we love to see. I love to see miracles. I love to see healings. I love worship. I love physical, spiritual, and emotional blessings. But as important as those things are, there are three, and you may come up with more, but there are three essentials that a church must have. And since the church is made up of individuals, you are the church. And if the church has got to have these three things, guess what that means for you? Are you part of the church? What do you have? You have to have these three things too. As I've already mentioned, I love healings. I love to get financial blessings. But there are three things that I must have. Now, I don't know why I thought of this, but I was thinking about the three things that we must have. And I would recall a, a statement that Casey made as my youngest son when he was playing junior varsity football. And somebody asked, well, does the junior varsity get a pregame meal? And Casey's was, response was, the junior varsity don't get jack. <laughs> now I know somebody said, well, that, what, what's that mean? That means they did not get anything. And I can tell you, and you say, well, why did that come to your mind? Because I'm going to tell you, a church that does not have these three things, they don't get jack. There's nothing to them. And I know some of you say, well, what are these three things? Faith, hope, and love. Faith, hope, and love. Faith is mentioned 12 times specifically in these books. Hope is the theme of the book. It's all about hope. How many thinks that the rapture of the church is the hope of the church, that Christ in us, the hope of glory? We're going to get out of here. I said, we're going to leave here. We're going to be victorious. But I want to tell you something. You're not going to get out of here alive. I know somebody, uh, one of my friends said on Facebook the other day, oh yes, when we get raptured, we're going to be alive. This body is not going to inherit eternal life. 
This body is not going to get to go to heaven. I'm going to have a new one. Praise God. And it's going to be slim and trim. My, my pop belly that I've had a, a long time, even when I was slender, it's going to be gone. Either that or I won't care. But either way, it'll be good. The hope that we have that we're going to get new knees and they don't ever have to be replaced. Faith, hope, and love. Love's mentioned 10 times. Now, where was this letter written from? Just told you that it was written by Paul from Corinth. And so what did he tell this church at Corinth? You know, I kind of was kind of really blessed as I began to tie all these loose ends together. And I realized that Paul tells the church at Corinth the same thing. What's chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians? What do we know that? That's the love chapter. The love chapter. And how awesome it is. And it tells us, if I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but I have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Does that mean that he's uh, against tongues? No. It's simply telling us that if we have all prophetic powers and understanding, all mysteries and knowledge, and if I have all the faith so to remove mountain, if I don't have love, I've got nothing. So miracles are important. All these things are important. But it doesn't say you had to have miracles. It says you have to have faith. You've got to have hope. And you've got to have love. It tells us the definition of love in 13. It says love is patient. It's kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant. It's not rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at long doings, but rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. See, that's what love does. Love does. Now, see, you can have all these things, but in the words of Casey, if you don't have love, you don't have Jack. Got nothing. Faith. Hope and love. If you flip back over to chapter 8 in 1 Corinthians, notice these three verses. Now concerning food offered to idols, we know that all of us possess knowledge. This knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. If anyone imagines that he knows something, he does not yet know as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, he is known by God. Now, I like the New Living Translation uh, of this verse. It says, while knowledge may make us feel important. Now, how many thinks knowledge is important? Knowledge is good. If you don't believe that, try to go through a drive-through and give somebody a big bill that they don't know how to make change. (laughs) Knowledge is good. It's good to have knowledge. But let me read on. It says, while knowledge may make us feel important, it is love that really builds up the church. Anyone who claims to know all the answers doesn't really know very much. But the person who loves God is the one God knows and cares for. 
And I want to remind you in 1 Corinthians when it talks about communion. What's the basis of communion? Faith and the resurrection. Faith based on the love of Christ and the hope that we get to go see Jesus again. Faith, hope, and love. Now let's go back to 1 Corinthians. Or before we go to, back to 1 Corinthians, uh, let's go to 1 Thessalonians. I'm sorry. 1 Thessalonians. I'm throwing those people in the sound booth a, a curve today. I'm getting my scriptures out of order. But notice what it says in chapter 1 of 1 Thessalonians. It says, Paul, Savanius, that's another word for Silas, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians and God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace. We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of what? Faith, your labor of love, and your steadfastness of hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. Those three things, faith, hope, and love. Again, 1 Corinthians, these three, three, faith, hope, and love. We've got to have them. The church has got to have them. And if the church has to have them, that means you have to have them. We have to have faith. We have to have love. We have to have hope. And as I meditated on these things over the last several weeks, I realized that to me, that you really cannot separate faith, hope, and love. They're kind of intertwined. Uh, they're, they're, They're connected. Because we have faith in him who is what? Love. We have faith in love that enables us to walk in hope. Now, some of you have heard me say this. Ever since COVID came about, thankfully it's eased up a little bit. But I I see people in the church that are walking around in just as much despair as those outside the church. Folks, we have hope. There's a hope. Well, pastor, COVID might kill us. So, to be answered from the body is to be present with the Lord. And Amanda, that analogy that you used earlier was an awesome one about that skydiving thing. But I feel a little bit like that that uh, the guy did about the rattlesnakes. When they asked him, said, if you were told by God to pick up a snake, would you do it? He said, yeah, but he hadn't and I ain't. <laughs> and God has not instructed me to go jump off into a hole just held up by air. I found that gravity works good. So I ain't going to do that. It's okay if you want to. But guess what? The knockout, knockout punch of Satan is death. And for the Christian, that's not worth sweating. Because we've got a hope. We've got a hope based on faith because of God's love. Proverbs 
10, 12 says, hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offenses. What about what Peter said in his writings in 1 Peter chapter 4? And this section is entitled, Stewards of God's Grace. Now, if you think about it, stewards, that means you're a caretaker of God's grace. That you're responsible to share God's grace. And if you and I are responsible to share God's grace, friends, how can we do that without faith? How can we do that without hope? How can we do that without love? We can't. We've got to have those things. Chapter 4, verse 7. The end of all things is a hand. That means the end of time as we know it. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be so self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly. Keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves as one who ser- serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. We need, we must, <coughs> excuse me, have faith, hope, and love. A church without them has nothing. Now, before we go back to Thessalonians, look with me at Romans. Romans chapter 8, and of course, we could spend a lot of time in, uh, in Romans like we can in all the others. But in Romans chapter 8, verse 24. For in this hope, we were saved. Now, hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Isn't it kind of interesting that next week we're talking about the rapture of the church. We're talking about the end times as recorded in Thessalonians, but it tells us if we don't have hope, we can't wait. Have you ever had somebody promise to do something and you just couldn't quite trust them? How hard was it to wait on them? I remember my my dad was, we used to live about six miles or seven miles out of town and if I stopped to get a haircut I'd get off at the bus and get a haircut and I'd tell dad said dad pick me up on your way through tonight and he would go through I would literally it was like 301 used to be you know it wasn't much traffic I'd see him coming and I would get up and he would go in the other lane and when I finally get home, either walking home or somebody give me a ride, I said, Dad, why didn't you pick me up? He said, I didn't see you. <laughs> Guess what? It was hard waiting on him. That's the reason I started walking every time. 
But we have hope in Christ Jesus. We have hope in Christ Jesus. What, did you bring me some water there? Bring it on. I don't think I'm going to need any more, but thank you. Thank you, Paul. Don't y'all wish y'all had some? Should have tucked it all, lid off for me. Now, those of you watching online, don't go get some water. Keep watching. Because we need to understand we need those things. Romans chapter 8, verse 24 again. For in this hope we were saved. And it goes on to say, for we wait with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. Any of you ever been there? But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for all the saints according to the will of God. Whoa, I like that. God says he intercedes as we pray in the Spirit because he prays in the will of God. And we know that all for those who love God all things work together for good according to, for those who are called according to his purpose. So we know that when we have God's faith, when we have his love, when we have his hope, we can trust in things because God's going to see us through. Now let's go back to 1 Thessalonians. And I could read verse after verse after verse. But let me just pick out a few. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 8. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia. Macedonia was basically the state where Thessalonians was located and Achaia. But your faith in God has gone forth everywhere so that we need not to say anything. For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living God and to wait for son to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. I want to tell you something. I don't want to face God's wrath. And I've got a hope, not because I've been good, but because God paid the price for me. I mentioned in the early service this morning, my dad's discipline was, was very strong. And so he, he was a, a very uh, strict disciplinarian, but he did it a little bit differently. If I did something wrong, he'd say, I owe you one. There was no debating it. I just knew that sooner or later, I was going to face his wrath. Now, I know one of the things I look back on, I'm glad that he didn't whip me when I did something bad because he would have been angry. I didn't want to be in his angry. That's not discipline. But the next time my brother would do something wrong, he'd say, oh, you won. So we had that eager anticipation <laughs> of waiting for the wrath, waiting for the discipline. And whenever there's three or four of us that needed one, we heard that sound. And it wasn't the sound of the trumpet. 
Lee talked about putting socks on, how hard that is sometimes. Some of you can relate to it. I never could figure out how my dad, who wore jeans or khakis, could make that sound with his belt. (laughs) And he never forgot. If he had told me, I owe you one, that's when I got one. I can tell you, I never woke up in the morning and said, man, today is the day I hope I get it. (laughs) That's not a blessed hope. That's a fearful fear. But think about it. The blessed hope that we have regardless of how bad it gets God is still on our side. He still loves us. He still cares for us. And he's given us a hope that God's going to see us through. Chapter 2, verse 17. I've got to hurry. Chapter 2, verse 17. But since we were torn away from you, brothers, that means they had to leave town because they were threatening them with their life. For a short time, in person, not in heart, We endeavored the more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face because we wanted to come to you. I, Paul, again and again, but Satan hindered us. For what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before the Lord? What what do we got to hope in? I want to tell you something. If your trust is in Washington, D.C., I feel for you. If that's all you've got to hope for, you don't have much hope. But I'm glad that I've got a hope and a God that's never failed. And a God that says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And he says, it is not you, for you are our joy, our glory, and our joy. Chapter 4, verse 9. Now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you. For you yourselves have been taught by God to do what? To love one another. For that indeed is what you're doing and all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more. In other words, you're loving, but let's be more loving. How many thinks that that's a possibility for all of us? Regardless of how much you love, love a little bit more. Love a little bit more. Love a little bit more. And I found out something. The more I love, the more I'm loved. The more I speak peace to people, the more they speak peace to me. You say, well, pastor, that doesn't always work. Well, if it doesn't work, then God's going to give me hope for something better. Because I'm going to keep on loving, keep on loving. For that indeed is what you're doing. We urge you, brothers, do this more and more. And to aspire to live quietly. Now, he could have left this next phrase out. And to mind your own affairs. See, if some of us would learn to mind our own business. Isn't that what it says or am I misreading it? Some of the things you're worrying about, God's probably saying, is that any of your business? You say, would he say that? Isn't that what he said to, to Peter? Right after he ministered to Peter and he said, Peter... Feed my sheep. If you love me, feed my sheep. If you love me, feed my sheep. Said it three times. 
And after Peter had acknowledged this, yes, Lord, I'll feed your sheep. But what about John? And you know, King James Version says, what is that to thee? If I let him live till I come again. Now, let me give you the Oxford rendition. That's none of your business. None of your business. You take care of what God called you to do. You put your faith and trust in God and be obedient to him. Now, that was free. That's not even in my notes. <laughs> and to work with your hands as we instructed you so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. Okay. Let's drop down to verse, chapter 5, verse 8. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. Faith, hope, and love. Three things we've got to have. Let's go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3. We ought always to give thanks for you, brothers, as is right, because your faith is growing abundantly. And the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. Therefore, we ourselves boast about you to the churches of God for your steadfastness and faith and all your persecution and in the afflictions that you are enduring. What afflictions? They were persecuted from the day that church was born. They lived in persecution, but that didn't bother them. Their faith kept them strong. They love one another so much that Paul says, we're telling everybody about your love. I can tell you something. There's a lot of reputations that churches have. But if any church gets a reputation that that church is just full of the love of God, that church is full of the peace of God, that church is full of the faith of God, that church is full of hope, I want to tell you, That's what people are looking for. They're not looking for criticism. They're not looking for people that hate them. They're looking for people that love them and help them see through their problems. Let's go on and read read chapter 3, verse 1. Finally, brothers, pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored as happened among you. And that you and that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men, but for not all have faith. Quit worrying about those folks out there that don't have faith because they don't know any better. Try to point them to have faith in God. But the Lord is what? Faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. And we have confidence in the Lord about you that You are doing and will do the things that we commanded. May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ Jesus. Three things church has got to have. Three things that you've got to have. Faith, hope, and love. There's only one thing that's unforgivable. And I know those of you that are Bible scholars say, well, that's blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. 
I'm going to simplify that. What's blaspheming the Holy Spirit? That's when you reject God's love. When the Holy Spirit deals with you and speaks to your heart and says you need to have faith in me and you reject his love, there's no way you can be saved. It all begins with faith based upon God's love. And when we have faith in God and his love, that gives us hope for today and the future. I'll remind you again that this church was going through a terrible time of persecution. And Paul commended them. And they were a baby church, just a few weeks old. He said, but you love one another. You have faith and you have a hope. Just yesterday, I received a group text from Gary Hines. Some of you know Gary, former pastor at Wildwood. He sends me a text every Saturday. And this is what was come up yesterday. His love brings life. His love elevates. His love unites. Let me say it again. His love brings life. His love elevates. His love unites. I'd like for the worship team to come on up. Recently, I get amazed at how when God gives me a sermon, it seems like he's always directing me to some songs that emphasize that. And just a few weeks ago, I, I heard a song. Maybe, I, maybe I'd heard it before, but I don't remember it. But it was a song written by Rebo, Reba Rambo McGuire. That's Dottie Rambo's daughter and son-in-law. And it was sung by Mark Lowry. And it just ministered to me. I don't have the words to the whole song. But the chorus goes a little bit like this. So mercy, so grace, so kindness, so faith. Words are like water sprinkled with love. You will harvest all your heart's been dreaming of. So mercy. Say those words with me. So mercy. So grace. So kindness. So faith. Words are like water sprinkled with love. You will harvest all your heart's been dreaming of. So mercy. Faith, hope, and love. These three essentials. 
Would you bow your hearts in prayer? And if you have rejected God's love, you say, well, I've never rejected his love. I've never received it. Well, if you've been offered it and you haven't received it, that's equivalent to rejecting it. And he's extending his hands to you today to say, I've got an eternal love for you. If you're here and you've never asked forgiveness of your sins, I can't think of a better day than today to receive his mercy, his grace, his love. And for those of us that are Christians, let me just ask you how important are the essentials, things you've got to have, God's faith, God's love, God's hope. Holy Spirit, we ask you to minister today by your power. And Father, I know we have not spoken about miracles, but I know that you're a miracle-working God. And even as we ask you to minister to us and restore and to build our faith, to give us hope, share with us your love God that you're capable of performing miracles of healings of restorations and so Father we ask you to have your will and way the remaining moments of this service those that are watching online Lord God I ask you to minister to them in a powerful and mighty way meet their needs meet their needs let's start with the essentials, faith, hope, and love. On behalf of our pastor and staff here at OAG, we want to say thank you. Thank you for being a part of our ministry. We are grateful for you and the support you give our church and its ministries so that we can continue to do what God has called us to do, to be the family church for the family of God. For more content from Pastor Strickland and Oxford Assembly of God, check out our media website at oag.church/media.